I want you to turn your Bible this morning to the book of Psalms, chapter 46, and also the book of Mark in chapter number 5. Psalm chapter 46. I want you to look to this morning in Psalm 46. The Lord's been dealing with me for a couple of weeks about this message or maybe series of messages and I believe God has this for us here today. I want you to look at one verse in Psalm 46 and just hold your place in Mark 5. We'll get there after a while maybe. Psalm 46 and verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let me read that again. God is our refuge. The word refuge is a shelter, a shelter from the rain, a shelter from the storm, a shelter from danger, a shelter from falsehoods. Aren't you glad that God is our refuge? And then it says He's our strength. That means He's our security. He's our majesty. He's our praise. And He's our power. I say this every day of my life, sometimes several times a day. Without Him, we can do nothing. And then verse 1 is where I want to go to this morning for a little bit. The Bible says, a very present help in trouble. Do you see that? A very present help. I'm glad He's helped me in the past. I'm so glad He's been all back yonder in my past. And you know, He'll be out yonder in my future. But aren't you glad He's right here right now? He's a very present help in trouble. If you have a study Bible right under where it says Psalm 46, it may be in italics. It may say this, To the chief musician... For the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. Does your Bible say something kind of like that? Well, if you don't know what that's about, there were 11 psalms that were written for the sons of Korah. Now, number 16, read it when you get home. It only happened one time in the Bible. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again. But there were some rebels. Korah headed up some rebels. And they came against Moses. They came against the man of God. They revolted. And the Bible said the earth opened her mouth and swallowed those rebels. Korah and all those rebels went into hell alive. That's the only group that's ever went to hell alive. Most people die, then they go to hell. But hey, they didn't die. They went straight to hell. Now friend, that's an awesome thought. Now, the sons of Korah, you'll miss this if you're not careful. The sons of Korah, when it came time to make a decision, we're either going with Daddy or we're going with Moses. Daddy represents wrong. Moses represents right. But I thank God for these boys because as much as they love their daddy, as much as they love their parents, 
They made a tough decision. They chose to go with God. They chose to go with the man of God. I meet children all the time that don't have a godly parent. They don't have a godly mama. They don't have a godly dad. And I admire young people that make those tough choices and go with God when it hurts and go with God when it goes against their feelings and they go with God when it goes against the flesh. And I know you run bus ministry and you reach out to a lot of children who don't have a godly influence in their life. Cheer them on. Applaud them on because it takes a lot of courage to do what they're doing without the encouragement of a mom and dad. Well, I said all that to say this. I look at that term, present help. Present help. As I look at that, you know what that actually means, Brother Sean? It means this. It means He, speaking of God, He will meet you there. That's what it means. Now, if there's ever been some young men who needed God to show up, if there's ever been some young men who needed some encouragement, who needed to be met by God, these boys needed that, and God did that for them. Again, there's 11 Psalms. I could give them to you later if you'd like an email or a text. The 11 Psalms that are written just for these boys. And when you read them and realize what they went through, I'm telling you, it gives great volume and meaning to those psalms. I'm not preaching on that. I'm trying not to. But I want to use this as a launch. This idea, He will meet you there. He will meet you there. There's principles and places in the Bible where we find that to be true. I want to begin this morning in Mark chapter 5. It's only 20 verses. It'll take me about two minutes to read it to you. And I want to show you the first place that God gave me to give you, Brother H.C., where God will meet you there. I'm, oh, I'm so glad God will meet you there. You ever had somebody turn their back on you? You ever had somebody walk away from you? You know, I have flashbacks from my sickness, and when I do, I feel like God wants me to tell it. I, I'd forgot about this episode. I was real sick one night, breathing so bad, and I didn't think I could last much longer. And a nurse came to my room. I don't know her name or nothing. And, and people were dying. All, man, people were dying in there. And I said, ma'am, please help me. I can't breathe. Please help me. And she looked at me with a stone-cold face and walked out and shut the door. Well, friends, she may have walked out on me, but I'm telling you, Jesus ain't never walked out on me. Aren't you glad He will meet you there? Whew, I'm about to get excited. Don't know if I can preach or not. Verse 1, the Bible says in Mark 5, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, under the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately, notice, 
there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had it among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, look at this, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, whew, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine, feeding, there were hogs feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and there were about two thousand and they were and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see Him that was possessed with the devil. He had the legion sitting and clothed and in His right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Well, here's a wonderful story of a man who was an absolute hopeless case. But Jesus was willing to cross land and sea in order to reach out to one poor and helpless soul. This sinner's condition was this. Verse 2, he had an unclean spirit. This man was full of demonic spirits. This man had been cast out of his city, cast out of his country. Now he's exiled to a graveyard. That's where he lives. How would you like to live 
in a graveyard. This man in verse number 5, the Bible said always night and day, he was crying and he was cutting himself with stones. You know, we've got an epidemic on our hands, especially among young people that are wanting to cut their bodies. Friends, you better pay attention to that. That's a demonic thing. When people want to cut themselves, that's demonic influence. Can someone say amen? Well, this old boy, he was cutting himself with stones night and day. He cried night and day. The word cried there means he shrieked like a raven. He sounded like a bird shrieking in that graveyard as he cut himself with stones. He can't rest. This goes on 24-7. His whole life is crying. His whole life is cutting himself with stones. Any of us that's got any understanding knows this man can't go on like this. This man can't keep living like this. No rest. He's bleeding. He's crying. He's exiled. He's so powerful with those demons in him. And can I say, do not underestimate how powerful demons are. This man was full of demons and Keith, they would, they would shackle him. They would chain him and he was so powerful he would just break those chains asunder. That's the power of demonic activity. Amen. This boy ain't got a chance. According to Matthew chapter 8, we won't turn there, but Matthew said he was exceeding fierce that nobody would pass that way. He was scary. He was scary. People were afraid of him. And nobody would pass that way. Luke's gospel said this about him. Said he wears no clothes. This man was naked. And I'm going to tell you something else. Nakedness and nudity is demonic as well. If you get right with God, you'll want to put some clothes on your naked body. Say amen. Well, this man, he's bleeding. He's cut himself with stones. He's shrieking like a raven. He's running among the tombs. And this man is totally naked. Now we learn something else about him in verse 9. Jesus asked him, what's your name? He said, my name is Legion. For we are many. Well, a legion was a Roman regiment of soldiers. Are you ready for this? 6,826 soldiers made up a legion. And what this man was saying, my name's Legion. I got 6,826 devils inside of me. Now friend, that's scary. That one man could have nearly 7,000 devils in him. Well, those devils started crying out. That gives me chills. Just thinking about 7,000 demons crying inside of a man. Crying out. My, what a sound that must have been. No wonder people were scared. No wonder people would pass that way. There's not a horror movie out there that could portray how scary this was. 7,000 demonic voices 
crying out of this one poor soul. But I'm glad Jesus loved this one poor soul. I'm telling you, society had give up on him. They tried to chain him. They tried to bind him. They finally put him in a graveyard. They couldn't do nothing with him. But I'm telling you, Jesus loved him and Jesus cared. And I don't care how bad you are or how bad you think your life is. Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because Jesus can make all the difference in the world. (laughs) Woo! I'm having a good time. I'm talking about the old sinner's condition. He's got nearly 7,000 demons in him. This man, I believe we would admit, he's overcome. This man, as far as man is concerned, he's unhelpable. This man, as far as society is concerned, he's incurable. This man is unapproachable. But when Jesus cast those demons out, my Savior is greater than 6,826 demons. I wouldn't want to face one demon, would you? And He cast out, and look where He cast them. There was a herd of swine. Now these were not wild boars. These were herd, a real herd, 2,000 hogs. The reason I know they're not wild, Brother Reed, they have a keeper. They have keepers that are feeding them. Can you imagine how much food it takes to feed 2,000 hogs? Well, that's the picture. Here's some keepers. They're feeding 2,000 hogs. Then demons ask, could we take leave since you're going to cast us out anyway, since we don't have a choice. Aren't you glad they don't have a choice? And Jesus cast them out, and they went into the swine. Think about 2,000 hogs, nearly 7,000 devils have gone into 2,000 hogs. How did they respond to that? They committed suicide. Amen. Someone said suicide. Amen. They committed suicide. The Bible said they ran violently, violently off a steep place. And 2,000 hogs choked and drowned in the sea because they refused to live possessed by those demonic influences. Well, when the keepers saw that all them hogs were dead, they ran to town. Can you see him telling the owners of the hogs, Hey, fellas, I hate to tell you this, we lost them all. Surely you didn't lose 2,000. We lost them all. They all went to the sea. They all choked in the sea. They all died in the sea. Well, when they got back after they got the news, they saw the old boy who had the devils. Had as in past tense. And guess what they saw? He was no longer cutting himself. He's no longer crying like a raven. He's no longer running naked through the graveyard. Whoop! (laughs) But the Bible said they found him. What was he doing? He was sitting. He ain't sitting a long time. 
You know, seated means that he had peace. First time he's had any peace, he finally got to sit down. The Bible said he was seated, seating, he was seated, and he was clothed. This man didn't have no clothes, but buddy, he got some clothes on after he got them demons out of him. I wonder if we went to the beach and we could get the demons out of everybody there. I'd say the apparel would change. How many of you say amen? Boy, I'm going to mess up a good sermon. Lord, help me not to do that. But I want to say this morning, when Jesus made the difference in this man's life, he got peace, he got some clothes on, and he's in his right mind. Them demons were driving him crazy. He was like a lunatic. He was called a maniac. But when Jesus saved him, when Jesus met him there, it made all the difference in the world. Now I'm amazed at this. They were afraid of the man because of his demon possession. And then when they saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind, now they're scared of him more. Isn't it? It looks like to me I'd be more scared of the first version. But you know why they're scared? Because they know something's happened to this man. And you know, this world's afraid of us. But let's just keep pressing on. I got peace. I'm sitting. I don't need a liquor bottle. I don't need a drug needle. I don't need some fornication or adultery or pervert. Brother, I got peace. I don't have to have that. How many of you glad you got peace this morning? Jesus said in John 14, 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth. Jesus even admitted the world can give a measure of peace. That's in that bottle. That's in that needle. That's in that powder. But the difference in the peace that the world gives and the peace that Jesus gives, their peace is temporary, but our peace is eternal. I don't need a bottle. I don't need powder. I don't need a needle. Thank God He gave me peace. Not like the world gives. Do you have that kind of peace? (laughs) Woo! Brother Jimmy, I'm about to get excited. Don't y'all love the Word of God? Amen. Well, this old boy sitting there, he's clothed in his right mind. And the Bible said that he immediately, immediately fell in love with Jesus. I wonder why people don't love Jesus and claim to be saved. I wonder why people don't love Jesus' house. You know, when me and Juanita were courting, man, the highlight of my week is going to her house to pick her up. See, if you love somebody, you want to go to their house. And don't tell me you love Jesus and you don't want to go to His house. This is not a chore. This is not a bore. This is a blessing. I am blessed to rub shoulders with God's people. Hey, when I leave this place, I'll go out in the world just like you. But while I'm here, I get to rub shoulders with the best people on earth. That's God's people. I love Jesus. It makes me love His house. Oh my, I'm getting on another sermon here. But I love Jesus. I love to go to His house. And I love to hear His Word. Oh my! Sometimes Juanita would slip me a little love note. 
you talk about in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's how long it took me to get that open because I loved her word. <laughs> Amen. How many of you love Jesus? How many of you love His house? How many of you love His word? Oh my. And I'll tell you something else. This old boy, he wanted to be with Jesus. He really thought, Paul, he was going to get on that ship and leave with Jesus. That's what he wanted to do. You know, sometimes we just want to go be with him. But it's not time yet. He told the old boy, he said, Hey, I know you love me. I know you want to go with me. But I want you to stay. You need to stay. Why does he need to stay? People's afraid of him. Jesus said, Here's why I want you to stay. I want you to go home to your friend. You see, your home is not that graveyard no more. Your home is not those tombs anymore. Your home is not out there in this wilderness anymore. You see, this man used to have a home. Aren't you glad that Jesus can send somebody back home? Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah! If you're lost, you're away from home, I'm so glad Jesus is here for you and He wants to send you back home. And He said, when you get home, I want you to publish. I like that word publish in verse 20. Now this is a new convert if there's ever been one. I mean this man just had 7,000 devils come out of him. And Jesus said, when you get home, I want you to publish the great things that I've done for you. I want you to tell everybody what I have done for you. And the word publish there, don't get nervous, this might mess up some people's theology, but that word publish literally means to be a public crier. It means to be a preacher. What about that? God take a man with nearly 7,000 devils in him, save him by the grace of God, put a suit of clothes on him and said, now go preach. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I just believe the Bible. God give you a public crier. There he says. He publishes to you. I love to hear people get up and testify about what the preacher's been preaching. That means it's touched their hearts. That means it's not just went in one ear and come out the other. Thank God for preaching. That boy says, you mean I'm going to be a preacher? He said, you sure are. You go home and publish to thy friends. Tell them all the great things. Not that the government did for you. All they could do for you was put shackles on you. Not what society could do for you. All they could do was put chains on you. Not what reform programs could do. Because all they could do is leave you in a graveyard. But go tell them what I did. How I got them demons out of you. Tell them how you're sitting at my feet now. And you got your good mind now. Aren't you glad God can give you a clear mind? Boy, there's a lot of people in this world messed up on dope and drink and sin and sex. I'm glad God can clear up their minds. This story gives me hope because I'm glad the people I meet out here that is so messed up, I'm glad Jesus Christ can save their souls. 
God can save a man who's bleeding from demonic possession. God can save a man who has no home, who has no family, who has no friends. And God can make a preacher out of them. What about that? But i got to get this before I quit. Y'all having a good time? How many of you are glad He'll meet you there? (laughs) How many of you are glad He'll meet you there? I was lost. I knelt in the sawdust under an old shabby tent. They were preaching the gospel. A storm and, and flood was coming through. But I knelt in that sawdust. People were leaving. People were running. But thank God He met me there. He saved me by His grace. I'm glad when you need pardon, when you need forgiveness, when you need salvation, thank God, church, He will meet you there. He said, I want you to go preach. I want you to go publish all the great things I've done for you. And by the way, that's what we all need to be doing, telling the world what Jesus did for us. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to have a degree after your name. You don't have to be a preacher. If you're saved by God's grace, that's what you ought to be doing, telling people what Jesus has done for you. Tell them the great things I've done for you. And I love this. Tell them how I had compassion on you. Whew! Aren't you glad? He's the God of compassion. I was studying the word forgiveness the other day and I just had to stop and think a while. You know, I could tell Brother H.C. I forgive you and, and, and truly mean it if he had wronged me or I could tell any of you that, but forgiveness when it comes from God is much more than the forgiveness I could offer to anybody. You say, what's the difference, Brother Don? You see, if God offers you forgiveness, if you're lost today and He is offering you forgiveness, if God offers forgiveness, it means having compassion on somebody that you could hurt. Think about it. Having compassion on somebody that you could do them hurt. Friend, when I knelt in that sawdust, He could have done me hurt. But He didn't do me no hurt. Thank God He gave me compassion. When He saw this wild man full of devils, He could have done him hurt. But He didn't do him no hurt. Aren't you glad he had compassion? You know, Jude, only one chapter in the book of Jude, Jude verse 22 and 23 says this, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Amen. You know what that bus y'all just got fixed is? It's a big scooper. And it's scooping people up. And it's keeping children and adults out of hell. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is still in the saving business. Amen. Well, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now, we hate sin. We're supposed to hate sin. Every church, every man of God, every Christian, you ought to hate the garments spotted by the flesh. You ought to hate sin with a holy hatred. But you should never hate people. See, Jesus could separate 
his hatred for their sin, but yet he loved their soul. Now, you know, I don't know many preachers or an evangelist or many churches that would have given a dime to this project. Think about it. Jesus is going all the way across the sea on a ship. How much is this going to cost? What's He going to do when He gets there? He's going to have a campaign to, to win thousands? No. He's going after one man. One helpless, hopeless soul. And Jesus found that soul. He met Him there. Can I give you something God gave me? 1 John four nineteen. We all know that verse. We love Him because He first loved us. Every time this maniac is mentioned in the Bible, he's mentioned in Matthew, he's mentioned in Mark, and he's mentioned in Luke. He's not mentioned in John, but he is mentioned in those three Gospels. Every time, Brother Jimmy, it says, every time, read it when you get home, Luke 8, Matthew 8, Mark 5. When Jesus got off that ship, the maniac met him, met Jesus. You say, well, preacher, that's backwards from what you're preaching. I, it ain't backwards. You hang on. Woo! I'm about to get excited. We love him because he first loved us. We met him because he first met us. He couldn't have never got across that sea. He could have never got to where Jesus was. But the reason he could meet Jesus is because Jesus first met him. I couldn't have got to where Jesus was no more than you could. But aren't you glad he came to where we were? He will meet you there. To the sons of Korah, God said, I'll meet you there. You're heartbroken. You're troubled. You just saw your daddy go to hell alive. But I want you to know, boys, I'll meet you there. How many of you, when you come to Christ as an old lost sinner, you remember when you came to Christ? Guess what He did? I wasn't here. And it didn't matter that I wasn't here. What matters is He met you there. And that's what makes all the difference. Can somebody say amen? I want to ask you a question this morning. On this Sunday morning of revival, as we think about, He will meet you there. Will you say that with me? He will meet you there. I wonder how many as we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, and maybe I can get Anna to help me with a little bit of music. I wonder today in the house of God.